This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, February 6th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Mountain Village talks community housing. Public health takes community temperature. Colorado legislature takes up health care and energy costs. And a mountain weather forecast. On a chilly winter Tuesday, nearly 100 members of the community packed into Mountain Village's town hall. Everyone was there for a community forum on Mountain Village's latest affordable housing projects. Mountain Village Town Manager Paul Weiser started the presentation with a brief overview of where the community currently is when it comes to affordable housing. We currently have uh, 538 de-restricted units within our community. Of those, 75% are for rent, and 74% of our census community lives in deed-restricted housing. So obviously, deed-restricted housing is an integral part of Mountain Village community. Wiser notes Mountain Village has stepped up its investment in affordable housing over the past several years. In 2021, to their credit, Town Council really recognized that housing was dramatically impacting how we were operating Uh, not only as an organization, but as a community as a whole. And they decided to make housing a priority, um, an affordable housing a priority. According to Weiser, Town Council made that priority in several ways. The town formalized its housing department. Uh, We obviously then made creating housing a priority uh, because the only way that you're going to likely solve a housing crisis is to create more houses. The town also implemented mitigation methods to raise funds to build that housing and created housing development incentives to encourage developers and homeowners to create affordable housing. So the incentive programs are all well and good, but uh, at the end of the day, they in and of themselves are not going to solve our housing crisis. And Mountain Village recognizes that we need to actually build more units, more beds in order to have uh, workers going to their businesses supporting the ski resort, and frankly, supporting local governments. Currently, Mountain Village has four affordable housing projects in the pipeline, an expansion of Village Core apartments, for sale units in the meadows, and properties in Ilium and Norwood available for development. The first project, an expansion of Village Core apartments, or VCA, will add two buildings with an additional 35 units to the 222-unit complex. One building will look like the other buildings already part of VCA, a mix of one to three bedroom units. The second building will include more dorm style housing. When we were going through the process of developing phase four, we heard a lot of feedback from the business community that uh, those units are great, they're really helpful, they're a lot of employees uh, currently right now in the current VCA units, but it would be really helpful if we could have some more units that fit our seasonal workers a little bit better. And it would be helpful if businesses could have some sort of guarantee that when they lost an employee, it didn't also mean that they would lose a bed. And so we came up with a plan for the West Building, uh, and it's more of a dormitory style unit, and it's going to be able to, it's the same footprint as the East Building, but in a new configuration, it's 55 new beds. And so in each unit, there will be four bedrooms, two bathrooms, and a kitchen. Weiser says businesses will be able to purchase a license for the unit to house their employees. The VCA expansion will all be for rent. Mountain Village plans to break ground in April 2023. The next project, Lot 644, is in the Meadows. The project will be for sale and include 29 units, a mix of townhomes and condos. That for sale product will have one to three bedrooms uh, spread out across four different buildings. 
Town Council is still working on what deed restriction for the project will look like. Council is really trying to focus on whether or not there should be a price cap or not. And then, um, again, responding to some of the uh, comment that we received from the business community, I think the initial idea was that um, this would be entirely owner-occupied because this really is a community that this product is being built in. But there's a strong sentiment that businesses really do want to be able to buy some of these units. And so, at least initially, council is suggesting that a business would qualify under that uh, deed restriction uh, to purchase a unit. But in order to keep that community or sense of community, there was a notion that if a business does end up buying one of these units, they're obviously going to be renting it to people. And those leases need to be for 13 months or more so that you assure that somebody comes in for a year and they don't leave at the end of that year, that they're coming into the next season and hopefully stay. Town Council plans to continue discussion on deed restriction at its February 16th meeting. Mountain Village hopes to break ground on the project in spring as well. They are looking for a new name for the development. To submit a name for the housing community, go to townofmountainvillage.com. Finally, the projects in Ilium and Norwood. The land in Ilium is 55 acres, though not all is developable. Mountain Village is in the due diligence process to identify what type of development is possible. Based on the town's analysis, one to 300 units could be built on the land. The land would need to be rezoned under San Miguel County's Community Housing Zone District. In Norwood, Mountain Village purchased 37 acres of land with the idea to build somewhere between 80 to 120 units. With that said, the town has decided to put the project on ice for the time being, while it focuses on the developments in Mountain Village and Ilium. Wiser notes all the developments are still a work in progress and there's a number of elements to still figure out. Still, if Mountain Village is able to develop the land as they plan, the town could build anywhere from 200 to nearly 500 new units in the region over the coming years. Every five years, counties in Colorado are asked by the state to do a health checkup with their residents. It comes in the form of a community survey asking about demographics and general health and safety concerns. Here in San Miguel County, we collaborate with five other counties in the region to make up the West Central Public Health Partnership. Our Director of Public Health here in San Miguel County, Grace Franklin, reports the survey wrapped up in December of 2022 and saw a good response rate. So out of the entire West Central six counties, we received 2,333 responses. And in San Miguel County, we had 564 people respond to the survey. Our target goal was 363 to make it relevant for our community. So we exceeded it. Franklin notes San Miguel County saw an especially high turnout, making up almost a quarter of the total survey responses. I would say how we did it was strong community engagement that we've seen over the last several years. Um, our community outreach worker and our um, health educator were really boots on the ground doing really strong outreach to businesses, campaigning, handing out surveys and communicating this. And so kudos to all of the public health team for really um, prioritizing this over that two-month time frame. The survey results reveal that 90% of residents feel they're in good health and have access to insurance. 
Franklin says that news, while very encouraging, is contrasted by other survey findings. So that was the positive side, right? 90% of people feel like they're in good or better health. Um, People have health insurance, which will help be on that preventative side. But regionally, we did see that about 70% of respondents have concerns about accessing mental health care. And over 20% are unable to meet basic needs with their household income. And within that group, approximately 15% worry about not having enough food. While the survey cast a wide net over the six counties in the West Central Partnership, Franklin says public health is looking forward to further breaking down the results to look at San Miguel County's needs specifically. And we have yet to really dive into the county-specific data, um, which I think will be interesting to compare the two, right? I think we have unique health needs and Um, concerns here, um, but maybe we don't. The survey was run in both Spanish and English with 44 Spanish responses from San Miguel County. Other notable findings include over half of respondents having difficulty finding childcare and a tenth of respondents reporting concern over immigration matters for themselves or their family. Franklin says these results come at an opportune moment. They will help public health open a new chapter with its programming as the pandemic continues to ease. COVID's really shaken us tremendously over the last few years. Um, Ongoing programs have pretty much, you know, has been put on a hold. Seeing some of these results, um, it's not too surprising, just realizing um, that we haven't really been stepping into a lot of the other sectors of public health that have been traditionally held And so this survey is going to make a huge difference on how we're building out our programs over the next year or so. Franklin thanks area residents for all of their feedback and notes the high level of engagement is a great community asset. The Colorado legislature is talking health care with Governor Jared Polis bringing up energy costs. In this installment of Capital Conversation, KOTO State House reporter Lucas Brady-Woods brings the latest. Hey Lucas, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. Healthcare always seems to be a topic that comes up for discussion, and there's a new bill looking to make it easier for individuals to access that care, paperwork-wise. Uh, what does that bill look to do? One bill that's working its way through the legislature is a bill that requires insurance companies to offer and provide their materials, their insurance materials, in Uh, a person's preferred language. And what that means is insurance companies have to provide a form where their customers can choose what that preferred language is, and then the insurance companies would be required to provide a translation of the materials, whether it's policy, whether it's other information about about their services, uh, in in the chosen language of the consumer. And they would have to use a certified translator for that. And there's one other thing that's tacked onto this is that whatever languages that an insurance company advertises in, they also have to offer their services in that language. They can't have a ad in Spanish, for example, and then not offer their materials and their services in Spanish. You're also covering an announcement from Governor Jared Polis that is aiming to help Coloradans facing high energy costs. 
What did he say and what is he doing to help residents? Well, this is a bit of a complicated issue because the state really does have limited ability to control these prices, at, at least as far as the governor says, right? The governor says that a lot of these price hikes, uh, rate hikes for utilities, is largely due to the high prices of natural gas worldwide. And, and that was a, a result, uh, that's been a result of the war in Ukraine. Um, and, you know, the state can only do so much to control those prices. That said, the state does want to help, and Governor Polis does want to help people, especially people who are low income, who are struggling with high energy bills. And he's going to do that, he says, by, you know, instructing bodies like the Colorado Energy Office and the Public Utilities Commission to do certain things. One of those things is to expedite financial aid for certain things. So, that would be low-income energy assistance or financial aid for home improvements that involve renewable energy, that kind of thing. On top of that, you know, over, Polis' overall message is that turning towards renewable energies is the long-term solution. That's why he wants to expedite some of these, you know, home improvements that involve renewable energy, because at the end of the day, these renewables, according to Polis, are, are cheaper per kilowatt hour than fossil fuels. So he wants to accelerate the change as much as possible to renewable energy in, in order to sort of separate Colorado a little bit from these price swings on the global market. Finally, you just literally moments ago got out of a committee hearing that a lot of folks on the Western Slope will probably care about looking at repairing agricultural equipment. Can you tell us more about that, Bill? You know, I, I got to say, this is a bill that I've been following and I'm looking forward to following more because, you know, as I, I spent a lot of my time in Colorado and Montezuma County on the Western Slope, I heard about this from a lot of people that I talked to, a lot of sources, a lot of community members, that the fact that there isn't great access to repairing one's own agricultural equipment, you know, instead you have to take it to the manufacturer or an authorized dealer or, you know, that kind of thing uh, in order to get it fixed because there's this proprietary technology and these machines are getting a lot more advanced technologically. And, you know, that's preventing some ag workers and some people in the ag industry from repairing their own equipment and, and getting their work done in a timely manner. So, this bill would require manufacturers to provide manuals, to provide parts, to provide software to owners and private repair shops to, to allow farmers to, to get to work faster, really, to get their machines running in the best way possible, in the fastest way possible, without having to go to some you know, far-flung dealer or contact some manufacturer that's in another state or something like that. So, so this bill really aims to give farmers that ability. And it just passed the committee just a few minutes ago. It was a nice hour-long committee meeting with a lot of people testifying, farmers and ranchers, advocates, but also, you know, manufacturers and their representatives testified against it. But it did pass and it now moves to the House floor for a preliminary vote. You and the legislature are about one month into the session. Have there been any fun or sweet anecdotes over the past week? Yeah, I actually do have a really good one for you. There, one of, one of the, my colleagues here at the Capitol in the press corps actually had his last day on Friday. 
Ed Seelover with the Denver Business Journal, had been working at the Capitol for 17 years. And as I said, Friday was his last day, and he had a nice surprise. The governor himself came down to the basement press office with a cake for Ed, and, and we all sang for he's a jolly good fellow with the governor, and the governor made him put on a little party hat and all this. It was a really nice send-off. Uh, for this guy that, that I had only worked with since the beginning of this session, but he sat right next to me and he's given me a lot of advice, a lot of wisdom. And it, it was just a, a really nice experience to see the respect from not just the governor, but lawmakers from both parties saying, coming down specifically to speak to Ed and to, you know, give their farewells and, and their best wishes to him. So that was a really, really nice moment of camaraderie at the Capitol between the press and uh, lawmakers. Lucas, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me, and we'll talk again next week. As always, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. That was KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reporting from Denver. Recreating in the backcountry can bring stoke and adventure, but also accident and heartbreak. To help individuals stay safe this winter, Telluride's backcountry chats are back. Whether you're a seasoned backcountry skier or totally new, the talks are designed to help recreators and interested community members learn more about snowpack, snow science, safety, and more. This month's chat is a close calls forum, sharing real and raw stories from local folks who have experienced brushes with avalanche hazards. Three individuals will share firsthand accounts of local avalanche accidents and lessons to be learned from them. Two of the accidents took place this season. Star Jameson with Survivors of Outdoor Adventures in Recovery, or SOAR, will also talk about working through grief from backcountry trauma. Backcountry chats are a collaboration between the Peter Inglis Avalanche Education Fund, the Telluride Mountain Club, Mountain Trip, Telluride Mountain Guides, San Juan Outdoor Adventures, and Telluride Heli Tracks. The next backcountry chat of the season will take place at the Wilkinson Public Library on Thursday, February 9th at 6 p.m. From sonnet to haiku, limerick to epic, poems can take many forms. This week, The Fig, a local group encouraging artists and the artistically inclined to try something new, is hosting a night of spoken word poetry. The night will feature local poets sharing their original poetry and spoken word. The Fig Spoken Word Poetry Night will take place on Wednesday, February 8th at 7 p.m. at the Telluride Arts District HQ Gallery. A good old-fashioned barn raising is coming to the Sheridan Opera House. The Schmid Ranch is hosting a fundraiser to rebuild the 100-year-old cow and horse barn that are at risk of collapse. The ranch has been part of Telluride's history for years, helping to support the mining industry and now providing educational opportunities for the community. Schmid Ranch has been recognized by the state as a centennial ranch and is both a state and San Miguel County historic landmark. The night will feature local Americana singer-songwriter Emily Scott Robinson. The fundraiser will take place at the Sheridan Opera House on Saturday, February 11th at 7 p.m. Tickets are available at SheridanOperaHouse.com. A federal appeals court has suspended 199 drilling permits in northern New Mexico, near Chaco Canyon. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamidas of KSUT and KSJD reports. 
On Wednesday, the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the Diné activist organization and several environmental groups, suspending nearly 200 permits issued by the U.S. Bureau of Land Management while President Donald Trump was in office. Starting in 2019, the groups filed suit against the permits, arguing the drilling leases were too close to Chaco National Park and that they failed to comply with environmental standards. The Biden administration argued that the drilling leases complied with environmental regulations, and a federal court agreed in 2021. Wednesday's appellate court reversed that ruling. According to Reuters News, the Tenth Circuit said that the BLM failed to consider environmental effects of chemicals used in gas drilling. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a chance of snow showers tonight, followed by gradual clearing and a low around 10 degrees. Tuesday should be sunny with a high near 35 and Tuesday night should be mostly clear with a low around 15. Wednesday calls for sun and a high near 35, followed by windy and snowy conditions on Wednesday night with a low near 10 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, February 6th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hi everyone, Sol from True North Youth Program here. I wanted to let you know that True North is hosting a free College 101 workshop via Zoom on Wednesday, February 8th at 6 p.m. This presentation is for students and parents in Norwood, Telluride, and West End School Districts. We will cover the cost of college, how to pay, college and scholarship resources, grade-by-grade -grade preparation, and how to become a competitive candidate. Please register in advance at truenorthyouthprogram.org or contact us with questions anytime at 970 Seven zero eight one nine eight six. Thanks so much, and look forward to seeing you there. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues. <laughs>